Welcome to the Seek 22 podcast. We're so glad you're here. I'm Erin Scanlon, one of the Seek MCs and your host for this season. This podcast is a place of community, collaboration, and inspiration created to invite and encourage you deeper into relationship with Jesus. Today, we're hearing from our friends at the Man Catholic Podcast. With a strong focus on Christian community, Steve Priest, Thomas Wirtz, and Brian McAdam discuss elements to help men be a brother to the other men in their life. Men need other men to thrive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Man Catholic Podcast. My name is Steve Priest. I'm Brian McAdam. I'm Thomas Wirtz. We are your hosts for this special Seek podcast. The topic of today is being a brother to a brother, but before that, we wanted to share a couple fun stories of a past Seek in our own lives. And guys, looking back, it was my very first Seek conference in 2004, and I was a student at Colorado State University, go Rams, and had barely heard of Focus, and a friend of mine drove up uh, from Fort Collins to Denver and kind of gotten involved in this conference we knew nothing about. And at first, I saw a lot of dating talks, and I thought, let's just go to those and sit by cute girls. That didn't work out as well as I thought. What did really change my heart and my mind is, one, probably three things. The first of which, being in a group of young people like me who were excited about their faith, I'd never been in a situation like that before. Two, hearing great instruction on the Catholic faith really getting some of the practicals down that I had never gotten before just growing up. And then three, being exposed to the Eucharist. And I remember that night, adoration night, I had no idea what was going on. I had never seen a monstrance before. I had never been in adoration before. People had their hands up. They were lying down. I was freaking out in the back thinking, what am I doing here? But I did pray for a while. And I remember leaving thinking, I don't know what that was, but I want to figure it out. And when I left that focus conference in 2004, it was just the first step of many to come of giving my life to Christ. And I look back at it as being one of those kind of turning points in my life. What about you guys? Do you guys have a great memory from a seat conference? Yeah, gosh. So I've been in focus 20 years now. So I've seen 22 to 23 different conferences going from, you know, dozens and dozens of students to hundreds of students to thousands to thousands and thousands of people. And so, but profound for me, probably, I think it was 2001, I think it was my senior year. So I beat you, Steve. I always try to, to do that. The, the conference was at the Cornhusker in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I was having my conversion. So we, we talk about community and brotherhood. I was starting to find the guys that I needed to walk with. And they were there at the conference. And I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity. And, and Adoration and Confession was at the St. Thomas Aquinas Newman Center. And I remember we, the guys that, that, that I, I went with were all in the front row. And I had just gone to Confession. And I think I had gone a few times prior to that as I kind of got back into my faith. But I remember coming back after confession and sitting in the front row next to these men. And I just broke down and started to weep in front of our Lord in adoration there. And it was, it was a profound moment. Obviously, I remember it still 20 plus years from that day. And I think it was a big moment because all, all those years, all that energy I had spent trying to find joy doing other things and... It was right there in relationship with the Lord. And so I think the pressure was just released, relief of just realizing this is the source of all that I had looked for, all that I had wanted. He's right here. Plus the regret, the sadness, the sorrow of my sins. It's just a, a profound moment. I'm so grateful that those men who I hadn't spent much of my college time with, 
had welcomed me kind of an outsider into fellowship with them because that's that was such a big part of my life as I finished my senior year to be able to be in Bible study with these guys. But yeah, that moment in front of our Lord in tears. The memory that comes to mind for me is uh, in 2004, Seek was in Denver, uh, my home uh, home city, home state, and um, this was the Jim Caviezel conference, the first time. I think we've had Jim Caviezel twice at mm-hmm. Seek. Uh, this was the first time that he was there, and uh, they you know, showed the passion of the Christ, and uh, just such um, a powerful movie uh, for those who have seen it, um, and I think for me, uh, a... a deep awareness, maybe for the first time, of, of everything our Lord did for us uh, in, in His suffering and, um, and in His death, uh, and yeah, just inspired me uh, to, to want to um, make sacrifices, heroic sacrifices, uh, um, like He did, uh, maybe not uh, to that degree, uh, but uh, uh, to, to, sac- to follow Him in sacrifice and in laying down uh, my life. So that was, that was super powerful for me and for all the attendees there. I mean, we were just um, spellbound afterward and, and went into adoration, I remember, afterward. Uh, and uh, I think it's a, a special moment to, to be able to adore the Lord um, in, a, uh, in a renewed way, kind of with a, um, a new sense of, you know, of fully who he is. Mm-hmm. I've been to every conference offered since 2004 by Focus, and I, I think you guys probably have, and I think you'd agree with me that every conference experience is different, right? No matter what city it's in or who the speakers are and what is going on in your life when you go, it's a different experience, and they never get old. You know, the Lord always does something different to my heart every single time I go. So jumping into the topic for today, being a brother to a brother, it's all about friendship, uh, specifically looking at manly friendship, as this is the Man Catholic Podcast. And something came up recently uh, between Brian and Thomas and I. Now, the three of us have crossed paths for over a decade now, uh, whether it be within focus or where we go to church or our families crossing paths. But it really probably in the past, I don't know, guys, two years, three years, we've probably really given some more intentionality to our friendship. And I think we've seen that grow even further this year. Shout out to Exodus 90. We did Exodus 90, but what, three years ago together. Uh, That was probably one of those big moments that really launched our friendship to the next level. But uh, recently over the Christmas break, uh, Thomas uh, and Brian were giving me a hard time because I had not seen It's a Wonderful Life, original black and white version. I'd never, I mean, we all, we all know the line, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, right? Like, I know that line. I could have told you what movie that was from, but I had no idea who was in the movie, what it was about. In fairness, it is a classic. So it was very right of us to encourage you as a brother to see the movie. It was a good fraternal correction, which we'll get to in a little bit uh, to see it. So my wife and I sat down and, and our son, we watched this movie and I really feel like friendship is part of the foundation that this movie was built on. We all look at it as a Christmas movie and maybe rightly so, but friendship, true authentic friendship that even in the hardest of times, the friends are the ones that are there for you is what came to mind for me. And at the very end of this movie, Clarence, the main character's guardian angel, has been carrying around a book called Tom Sawyer. And he writes in the book, Dear George, 
Remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings. Love, Clarence. And this just struck me that it was my friends who recommended this to me, these two guys in my life who I've been walking so close with over the past number of years. And as this line came up in the movie, all I could do was sit back and, and think, oh, my goodness, God, you have given me two incredible friends to journey through life with. And um, that line just meant a lot to me. And I was able to come back and report I had seen the movie and I can prove it to you. Um, But uh, I just wanted to kind of open up with that story as a shared story to really launch us into this topic of friendship. It was great. Steve gave Brian and I each a copy of Tom Sawyer with that quote written in it. And so I think it was just a a profound gesture, Steve, of friendship. And it's it's been beautiful because the last latter part of last year, the three of us started meeting much more intentionally beyond meeting as families, we, just the three of us, to, to be a band of brothers for one another. Men, men need men to thrive. It's just part of how it is. We can't do this alone, and we need other guys to, to, to do three, three simple things, I think. One, provide accountability to living the Christian life, to praying, to pursuing the Lord, to being holy. And there's so many facets of accountability that, that can be mentioned. The second thing is the encouragement, right? It's it, the Christian life, our Lord has said, you know, you're going to carry your cross if you come after and follow me. And we need to encourage one another in the pursuit of him, in the dying of self. And the third thing is, is, is the fraternal correction aspect, that we're all going to make mistakes. And sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. And so for our brother to be able to pull us aside and say, hey, you missed right here, is just so helpful and so fundamental for, for us as men to be able to grasp those three things. And so I'm grateful that the three of us have started meeting to, to really hit on these three aspects in our life. And it's, there's a spectacular book called How I Built This by Guy Raz, who started interviewing, interviewing on, entrepreneurs on a podcast. And he created this, wrote this book from everything that he learned. And one point he says, there's one chapter that says, every successful business has a co, the, 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 the founder has a co-founder. Which is interesting because it kind of points, it's, it's in the business world, but it points to the fact that you need other people as you journey towards greatness. Yeah, Thomas, those three points are spot on. And I'm going to hit on accountability here briefly for you, for our listeners today. It's funny, when we think about accountability, I think sometimes we immediately turn to, when I do something bad, I'm going to tell people that I did it so that they can hold me accountable and say, don't do that, which is good. It's not a bad thing, right? A lot of guys out there will have a text line that say, hey, I fell, whether it be to purity or uh, anything. And the guys will say, okay, you know, hey, we're praying for you. We're going to fast for you. That's awesome. Do that. But if we can figure out a way to get ahead of that so that we're actually not falling, all the better, right? And so Thomas actually uh, sat down, Brian and I, and said, hey, guys, let's do uh, some kind of an accountability group together. And, well, my mind went to, yeah, let's just tell each other when we fall. And Thomas said, no, Steve. Uh, In addition to that, let's actually try to to prevent ourselves. And I was like, great idea, Thomas. You're the smart one. And uh, I I came to them, and I, I don't know if you guys remember, I sat down. We sat down for our first time. And I said, look, I have two fears. One, I'm way worse than you guys are in life and in all of the above. And two, I fear that if I show up and I'm vulnerable and I share all of these, that either you're going to be freaked out or hesitant and not share back. Both have resulted to be untrue. You guys are way worse than me when it comes to morality and virtue. Just kidding. Um, 
But both of those fears, have, I, I think they were grounded in lies from Satan, right? I mean, he does not want men to get together to have authentic accountability. He certainly didn't want us to get together. So then Brian and his wizardry on Excel and his genius of organization created a spreadsheet for us that reminds us daily via text. I have no idea how, but it reminds us daily via text to input whether or not we prayed that day and if anything disappointing happened, uh, some kind of fall or struggle. And so not only every day are we reporting to each other, but then we still get together I don't know, every three, four weeks and talk through what happened. How did it go? How could we have done it differently? We pray for each other. And I think this is the most successful approach to accountability I've ever been a part of. My prayer life has been consistent, not always amazing. And prayer is not always going to be amazing, but I'm showing up every day. And when I don't, I tell my brothers about it and falling in in any area of sin has decreased dramatically because we'll laugh about it when a certain sin or temptation comes up and we're right there on the edge of sin we think if i do this i'm gonna have to put it in that darn sheet now the state of our souls is way more important than a spreadsheet however it's a very practical human element that has been integrated into this uh, that the lord will work with and so i've seen this level of accountability just perform miracles uh in my life so it's it's really been incredible brian uh fraternal correction yeah thanks steve um say a few things about it first of all uh, just why why fraternal correction and uh there's a great uh, line in proverbs you guys have probably heard uh as iron sharpens iron one man sharpens another and that's really the reason behind why why do we fraternally correct so you know fraternal correction is to um turn to your brother and offer some words to help them uh, grow especially through uh, a mistake they may have made or, or something difficult like that um but before i share a few practical um you know points on how to do fraternal correction I just want to say the disposition you really should have is you should really be desiring to receive fraternal corrections more than you desire to give them. If, if you're looking uh, ultimately to, to point out uh, the splinter in your brother's eye uh, and, and you're disregarding the beam in your own, um, it's probably not the right uh, disposition to enter into fraternal corrections. So should, you should want to receive it. Um, you know, before you look to give it. Uh, And as Thomas, I think, had mentioned earlier, uh, it's really the context for it is a prior relationship, uh, a relationship of trust, uh, whether that be built through the kind of accountability Steve's talking about, or or just in general through through friendship, as we're talking about. Uh, That's the right context for uh, for giving fraternal correction. A few just uh, quick points on on how to do it. Um, First of all, just uh, to do it in private, uh, obviously not to correct somebody in, in, in public in front of others uh, is, is good. Um, to be direct, uh, don't, you don't have to be abrasive. You can, uh, you can be um, you know, gentle in the way you say it, but, but to be clear, to, to be direct um, with, with the correction uh, that you're offering, to let the other person know um, how something that they have done 
has made you feel, if it impacted you, or, or just what you think about it, that it might not, um, ultimately, that it might, that it doesn't conduce to their good. That's really what you're trying to do here is help them um, move, move toward the good. Uh, and um, I just offer one last point, just the uh, kind of shorter is usually better than longer. So again, with the, the sort of the direct thing as well, just get it, getting to the point and being clear um, in, uh, in an encouragement for how your brother can, can grow uh, toward the good. I remember being fraternally corrected by one of our chaplains a long time ago, and it it stings a little bit, but it's such a great gift when someone can kind of say, hey, watch what you're doing here. (laughs) It's like, oh, I didn't know that, or maybe I did, and I was justifying it, and so I needed that extra effort to, that extra encouragement. So I I love it, Brian. Thank you. And that's, that, that third point we talked about is the encouragement piece. And again, our Lord said, you've come after me, you must pick up your cross and and carry it. And living the Christian life um, sometimes, usually, always, is difficult, right? Because we're seeking to die to ourselves, we're seeking to swim upstream, all these things. Now, God, in his goodness, gives us his grace, and it's his grace that that catapults us through that difficulty. But we also see in in a beautiful example of, of Christ himself when he was carrying his cross, he was helped by Simon of Cyrene. Simon came in and helped Jesus physically carry his cross. And in, I think of encouragement as something similar to that as we're striving to do the Lord's will, as we're striving to surrender, as we're striving to receive fraternal correction, as we're striving to be open and honest and, and allow ourselves to be held accountable to living that life. Encouragement is so helpful because it is hard. It, it is daunting. And it's such a, a big gift when someone can come, come beside you and say, hey, this is possible. Don't give up. And to say, hey, you have great reason to hope. That hope and that understanding that I can do this is so important for us because we are not angels. And we're not yet in heaven. And just that natural effort from a friend to encourage us, I think is so meaningful. And there's so much, so many reasons to despair and, and lose hope in our world. And so many people, unfortunately, are doing that. And so to have a brother next to us or a few brothers, a band of brothers that can come and encourage us and say, don't give up, keep going, is huge. It's so easy to be discouraged in the culture in the world today, even media. If you watch any modern day media, movies, television shows, they're constantly putting men down specifically, saying that we're not good enough, we're not strong enough, we're not feminine enough, we're, we're just not cutting it. I mean, that's, that's what's coming from the media, right? They're trying to cut down what true masculinity is and, and brotherhood and friendship, all the things that we're talking about today, you would never see or hear about in modern music or movies or television. And because that's what we have as our model, it's so easy to get discouraged, to think we're failing at our jobs, we're not a good enough student, we're a terrible friend, we're a bad boyfriend or fiance or husband or father. But I want to go back to Clarence. Because if we look at the life of George, a couple spoilers here, go ahead and turn down the volume if you haven't seen it. It's a Wonderful Life and count this as a fraternal correction if you haven't. George was going through a hard time in work, and he um, do through a series of events, they ran into a financial crisis, and he was tempted with the idea of suicide. He's standing on the bridge, and then Clarence comes into his life and shows him what life would be like without it. And the movie ends with George being reminded that all the people in his life throughout all the walks have come to provide him the financial resources that he, that he needs to get out of this financial crisis. And Clarence reminds him, remember, no man is a failure 
who has friends. And so you might be listening to this thinking, I don't have a friend like that, or, you know, I've got friends, but oftentimes they lead me maybe into to sin or other things. Thomas, I know we've talked about some tips or practical things that we're doing, but what advice might you have for some of the guys who are listening to this today? Yeah, th- thanks, Steve. Gosh, what a what a spectacular movie in that quote. I'm s- so grateful you brought that in because man is not a failure if he has if he has friends. How do we have friends, practically speaking? What does that look like? And and I I will prod Brian to give us a an idea of what what actually friendship is. But practically speaking, find like Steve and I and Brian talk talked about as as we meet. Find a band of brothers that you can actually run to the Lord with that element of accountability, that element of encouragement, the element of fraternal correction that you can trust, that you can just pursue the Lord with. Find those men. If you don't know them, look for them, right? Put yourself in situations where they will be. If you're on a college campus, find the Newman Center, find Focus. Um, If you're in a parish, go to the men's group. Just do what you can and put yourself in situations where you can find those men and run with them. Open yourself up to them. Seek opportunities to trust them. A second piece is, if you've got that group, is help other men realize that maybe they don't have a group of men that they're running with. Find men that you can kind of mentor, that you can lead. So think of maybe you have a group of men that that you're running together and then another group of men where you're trying to lead and you're trying to help them see the importance of having a true friend, a true brother. And it's it's an amazing thing. We we hire amazing men in focus every year. And just just in the fall I was talking to one of our one of our missionaries and, and he had a recent experience through focus. And we were talking about that experience, and he said, you know, Thomas, it wasn't until that experience that I finally had a bond with men. Like, my whole life, I just hadn't had deep friendships with men. And so, guys, if you're out there, if you've got a band of brothers you can run with, keep running, run hard, and help other men find that group of men that they need in their life. Help them understand how important that is, because we're getting lost on social media. We're getting lost in technology. We're, it's too easy for us to not try to find men in our life that will challenge us. But we need that. Other men need that. I think those are good uh, practical steps, Thomas. I would say kind of as a principle, uh, just in general, is, you know, there's there's different kinds of friendship. There's there's friendship where you're you're pursuing uh, pleasure together. There's friendship where you're um, pursuing utility. You know, you're kind of both getting a good, a, a, a temporal good out of it. And then but there's the highest friendship, and that's what Thomas is talking about, which is uh, where you're pursuing the good together. And true friendship really requires both people to be um, virtuous and and desiring to grow in virtue. And so uh, the only thing maybe I'd add, uh, Thomas, to those practical points is just really to make sure that you're growing in virtue yourself, because at the end of the day, if you're not on that path and and, um, serious about that pursuit, you're not going to be capable of the really rich kinds of friendships that uh, that George Bailey had that uh, that you're, you're describing here. You're either moving towards virtue or away from virtue, right? Towards Christ or away from Christ. If you're listening to this podcast, you are at least aware of Seek 22 coming up February 4th through the 6th, broadcast all over the world. If you are not registered, register now at seek.focus.org. It is an incredible event, and uh, invite your friends, invite men in your lives to join you for this, whether you're hosting in your living room at a parish or at a university. This is an awesome opportunity to launch you into wonderful brother-to-brother friendship. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. We are the Man Catholic Podcast, and we'll see you at Seek 22.
Thanks for listening, friends. For more content from this podcast, click the link in the episode description. Join these podcasters and many others as we encounter Jesus at Seek 22, February 4th through the 6th. For more information and to register, visit seek.focus.org.